Hey, 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 welcome to the Bonus Mom Life Podcast, your go-to resource for inspiration, guidance, and support on your bonus mom journey. I'm your host, Lucretia Mays, the Bonus Mom Coach, and I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Whether you're a stepmother, a bonus mom, or someone navigating the complexities of blending families, this podcast is designed to empower you celebrate your role and provide you with practical tools to thrive in your unique family dynamic. So let's get into it. Hey, 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 y'all. Welcome back for another episode of the Bonus Mom Life Podcast with me, your host, Lacrish Mays, the Bonus Mom Coach. And I am so excited, y'all, to have a friend, a sister, uh, in here with me today to talk about her journey on motherhood. Um, doctor, you said, I, I said it right, Dr. <laughs> Valencia Hicks Harris. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I am so good. I'm just so excited. So proud of you. So excited to be on this podcast. I've been following you for a minute, so I'm just excited to be in the hot seat tonight. Yeah, and if y'all could see her, y'all y'all gonna see her. She looks beautiful in her cramp, cramps and right. That's it. <laughs> That's red. Okay, she looks beautiful, y'all. Right, hair laid. Okay, <laughs> so we're you know just introduce yourself to the people because some people may not know you, but I do. But let them know just a little bit about you. Okay, yes. Yeah. So my name is Valencia Hicks Harris. Um, just added doctor to the front of my name in December. Woo, yes, woo, woo. yes. I'm a Raleigh native. I always love to shout that out because I feel like we're unicorns here in Rodney, North Carolina. People yes. born and raised here. Um, I'm a former elementary teacher, an elementary STEAM teacher. Yes. Let's see. I'm a mom, a wife. I am the youngest, but sometimes I get placed in like the oldest position. <laughs> I'm the only girl, yes. the youngest or um, two parent household. Love my parents. They have instilled so much in me that truly overflows in my work and in my yes. parenting and in my life daily. So that's me. I love that. Your family. I see that. Like you be surrounded by your brothers all the time. I said, look at them Ooh. protecting their little sister, but she be and telling them what to do. At times. I know you be telling them what to do, especially Jonathan. It, it, that's right. That's the same. That's the one I got to keep in check for sure. <laughs> so, you know, um, I have a large community of bonus moms and I myself had dealt with, uh, you know, the stages of infertility or just wanting to have kids, you know, because I mean, some women we do yearn like, you know, when I grow up, I want to have kids. And like I said, they talk about just the um, common complications and just not being able to have, and you have a awesome testimony that can definitely fuel the faith of those who may be going through those struggle times, um, who have given up and thinking that, you know, you never will be a mom. So, you know, if you don't mind just sharing your testimony with um, the community, with everyone. For sure. I will. I think the first thing I want to lead with is the fact that if you want to, if it is your desire to become a mother, that can and will come to fruition. It just mm -hmm. may look different. Your mm -hmm. journey to becoming a mother may look different. Yeah. And I think that the role of a mother looks different, whether it is you taking care of. For me, as an elementary teacher, I call myself a mom in that classroom, right? Yeah. Because you will be leaned on and have the responsibilities of a mother mm -hmm. or um, again, I have older brothers, so I became an auntie 
when I was in kindergarten. My first right. uh, niece was born. So in my mind, as an auntie, that was my first real baby alive. Yeah. Right? Like, she was really urinating. Like she was doing all the things. So my journey to like starting off in motherhood, I feel like became came so much earlier in life and it just looked different. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, my husband and I, we uh, got married in 2012. And when we got married in September of 2012, um, I was the one ready. I was ready to yeah. begin growing our family. And I I purposefully wanted to grow our family early is because my parents are older, right? right? So there are four of us. It's really two sets of children in the family because yeah. the gap between myself and my oldest brother is 14 years, right? Oh, wow. We, okay. we all had the same mom and daddy, so we like yeah. to put that out. Um, and so I knew with my parents in their seventies that like, we are all on what's called borrowed time. And right. I wanted my children to be able to know my parents in the way that I saw mm. my nieces and nephew growing up with the grandparents. So that was my push. Um, and the Lord blessed us to get pregnant right away. So we were yeah. pregnant in we got married in September and we were pregnant in March. Um, and unfortunately, we had a miscarriage. And, yeah. you know, that was difficult. But also it it really showed me that this is something that I really wanted. Yeah. So that that like this is something that he really wanted to become a father. We, we were really ready both um, on the same page about right. ready to become parents. Um, and then three months later we were pregnant again and I'm like, all right, this is it because we are plus one. So this is going to be the one. And unfortunately, you know, we had another miscarriage. Yeah. Um, And then at that point I began to realize how much people do not talk about miscarriages and how it really can um, deter you from feeling like you are living out your purpose as a woman. Yeah. Uh, the cycle of like questioning God, to be honest, yeah. questioning yourself. And, you know, I believe in God. And as a Christian looking at the Old Testament, you know, if somebody was barren, it was a punishment. So oh, I'm like, yeah. what did I do? What have I done? What sacrifices can I make? How can yeah. I fast? You go through all of these cycles of um, what's the word? Like almost self-destructive, like losing yeah. yourself, Right to try to figure out how to become a mom and like, yeah. why does it keep happening to me? Um, so then uh, again, that was the second pregnancy that we we lost. And then a few months later, we're pregnant again and we're like, all right, this is it. This okay, is it. I'm yeah. pregnant, Chick-fil-A, pickles, <laughs> right? I want salt vinegar chips. Right. This is it. The cravings is real. I'm feeling bloated. I'm justifying why I won't cook out and a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A yes. the same night. And, you know, just really excited. But also, um, I recognize that we we started not telling people anymore. We didn't want to right. tell our family because we didn't want to, dis- to disappoint them. Yeah. Um, and we didn't tell anybody else. But um, unfortunately, again, we had another miscarriage. So that's right. number three. Right. So it's like, whoa, something's really going on. And right. Like the unfortunate thing is when you go to the doctor, they want you to wait a full year before they want to run tests to see if something is really wrong with your body or his body oh. to figure out whether or not um, or why you are infertile. Really? Why, oh, year? 
yeah, you had they want you to wait a year. But I know when I went through my journey, I had to, you know, get the testing. But since my husband had already had kids, they were like, so nothing's, you know, it's not him. So it was myself. And I felt how you felt. It's like, God, what did I do something wrong in my past? Like, (laughs) was I in high school doing too much? Um, So you do get those, you know, moments where you feel like, just like, God, like, why me? Like, how come I see women that maybe go out here and have kids and, you know, don't take care of them, leave them with family members. But me, I'm going to love my child. I'm going to take, and I can't have that opportunity. And, you know, so I definitely can understand, you know, that point of being where you are. So I, I definitely can relate to that. Yes. Yes. And, you know, even with that, when my husband went and got tested and they found out it was nothing, they didn't find anything wrong with him. And they still, you know, they still never found anything wrong with me either. But I feel like an unexplained infertility is almost worse than having a diagnosis. Because yes. You are left wondering why. Yeah. Um, and then I'm sure my husband be OK with sharing the fact that like his his father died uh, when we were in the fifth grade. Oh, so wow. knowing that he grew up without his father, yeah, uh, it was again another weight on me that like I'm not able to produce my husband mm. a child to be that father, yeah, that he had that loved on, but also to kind of fill that void of losing a father. Right. So you know, just like carrying that weight of feeling like I was letting him down, and then again I'm the only girl, and like yeah. feeling like I'm letting my family down to not have baby girls, baby boy, or yeah, baby girl, difficult too. So, um. Yeah, we, I mean, so in total, we went through, we lost five, we had five losses, we had five miscarriages, and they were all, you know, we were getting pregnant every three to six months or so. And then, as I stated, we went through all the testing, and unfortunately, they could never find a reason why um, for the infertility and that, like, your eggs, everything was viable. They just, it just wouldn't sustain, it wouldn't stick. Um, And so we did try IVF. Yeah, and that that's a whole journey in itself, especially when you talk yeah. about like um, black maternal health and being able to financially, yes. you know, afford to be able to grow your family through infertility, like infertility drugs, or grow your family through adoption. That's a cost. Yeah. Um, yeah. And your insurance companies down here in the south they don't pay for it, but up north, you know, it can get covered. Yep. So um, for us, we did IVF, and unfortunately, they canceled the cycle because they stated that my body wasn't reacting to the medication as it should have been. Right. And that that was wild in itself because yeah. I had like $10,000 worth of vials, little bitty vials of <sighs> IVF medications in my refrigerator. Oh my Not to mention I'm definitely afraid of needles and was yeah. like giving myself, like truly giving myself these shots to try to, you know, help grow our family. And later when they canceled the cycle, in July, it was July the 4th, in August, we get a letter in the mail that stated that there was a um, faring pharmaceutical company, there was a class action lawsuit. And we're like, wow. what is this? So I thought it was like a scam, get ready to throw it away, but I opened it up. And actually the medications that I was take, taking didn't meet potency regulations. So it was what? a fluky drug. Yeah, it's a fluky drug. So you mean, hold on, wait a minute. So now I've lost five babies and I try IVF, spent all this money out of pocket, and go through all this and they're telling me it's me my body's not reacting i'm like hold on what was it filled with like the juice from capri suns like pouches <laughs> I, don't know. I know 
big. I don't want to get bloated in the cheeks. Right. Um, and actually, that Saturday when they canceled it, the next day was my my uh, my turn to lead communion, like lead like the service, talking yeah. about it beforehand. And it was difficult, but at the same time, I used the acronym IVF to let people know outwardly that I am still very faithful. So IVF means, to me, means I'm very faithful that I'm not giving up. Like, I've come far. My husband is by my side, my best friend through this hard time that we are still not going to give up on growing our family. Uh, We just opted not to do that through fertility medications, because that's a gamble. That's a risk. Yes. That's putting your body through so many different things. Again, not knowing what's going inside of your body. Yeah. Not to mention, um, I had, let me back up. I had gotten pregnant the fifth time before IVF. Mm. And at that point, when you have gone through it so many times, you know what this, what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. And so you feel the cramping, you feel the spot, you feel all that jazz. And so you know what's going on. But this time it felt different. And I went okay. to the doctor and they're like, no, you're doing what you, your body should be doing. You know, you have lost the baby. Oh my God. Well, I just want you to know, like three, three, four weeks later, I'm still, the baby was still alive, but the baby was alive in my tube. So I had a ectopic pregnancy. Yeah. My tube ruptured, but I was having internal bleeding. But they should have taken the time yep. to do a, um, what's that thing called? Ultrasound. Ultrasound to yeah. see where the baby had implanted. But because they didn't, again, that goes back to like black maternal health. Yeah. And not really, and always having to really fight for people to believe that you are really in pain yeah. and that you Advocacy. in your body that something isn't right. Yeah. Right. So that day I was teaching and I was like, man, this is painful. And I was like, something's not right. So I just asked for someone to cover my class and I drove myself to the fertility specialist. They finally did the ultrasound and they saw that it had ruptured. I had internal bleeding. And when the doctor said, when the doctor said, when he yelled out, cancel all my appointments for the rest of the day, I knew how slight something was wrong. I knew that like this was very serious and I was rushed immediately into emergency surgery because I could have died. I could have yeah. died because it's ruptured. You have an internal bleeding, all of this stuff. So that was, that was scary. But also it showed me like, I'm tougher than what I think I am. Right. If right. I faint inside of a needle, then how in the world am I walking around <laughs> driving myself from Hollywood right. Spring, Blue Ridge Road? You know, and can the- we talk about your discernment? Like that discernment of like, you know what? Okay. I know what they said, but God is like, no, nah, I need you to to take yourself. I need you to go to the doctor like now, because that could have been detrimental to your health. Right. I mean, that could have, because, you know, you didn't listen to that discernment, didn't listen to your body because a lot of times that does happen. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of doctors, they say, um, you know, Oh, nothing's wrong. Everything is fine. You know, I knew someone that recently went through this, you know, mm-hmm. they were high risk and, um, by them being high risk, you would think they would want to do an ultrasound. Right. All the time that they, they didn't. And then the next day or maybe like day or two later, um, they ended up losing the baby, you know? And so, you know, it's all about if they are high risk, take the proper measures to do those ultrasounds every time they come in, they're high risk. So you would think the higher the risk. Okay. Let's make sure we are checking on that baby daily, 
and right. they didn't prepare these parents either for that. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just glad that you listened to your discernment, but I just pray that these um, doctor's offices would take more uh, preventive measures right. to, you know, not let things like this happen because, you know, you can take the preventive measures and listen right. to the patient. Correct. That's right. And I think that you as the patient, you have to be okay with being um, annoying or persistent yeah. or keep voicing it or asking for a referral to another doctor because somebody will listen eventually. Yeah. Um, and just like what you said is like, take the time to do the ultrasound because you've already gotten my copay. So yeah. I'm, I don't understand any of this, like why, why they don't take the time to do the full workup, but you definitely have to advocate for yourself for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and from there, you know, once you guys, um, you know, go through that and have that faith, even through, you know, I do want to talk about your husband, right. Loving you because sometimes that can break a marriage with these things back to back happening like that. And, um, that's that unconditional love, loving you under any condition. So definitely give him his props as well too, and give him his praise because, He's going through it with you. Yes, as women, we do go through things, but sometimes right. we negate as far as how the man feels. You know, That's so right. I'm pretty sure that was a lot for him. And it right. can definitely, like I said, affect your marriage. It can affect you individually, mentally. It can put you in this rabbit hole and right. definitely not having the support group because you don't know who to talk to. People right. are just walking on eggshells like, oh, I want to, I don't know what to say, you know, and it's, you know, it's just so much back to back. So I definitely want to, um, give your husband, you know, his praise because um, he also, I know that was a dream of his too. And he also unconditionally loved you and was there yeah. with you. That's what marriage is about. That's it's right. about being together with each other through those hard times. And like, baby, I'm gonna love you unconditionally. That's right. No matter what, whatever through, no matter the storm, we can go through Hurricane Fran, Hurricane Katrina. I got <laughs> your back. I don't care if it's us surrounded with just rubble. No matter what, baby, I love you. It's going to happen for us, no matter how we get there. That's right. It's going to happen. You you um spoke about something that I was looking for. I was in search of a support group. I was looking for that support group to help me through um, understanding infertility. And yeah. at the time, you know, you can read about it and you can read blogs, but then you also read those success stories of those people who um, had miscarriages, but then ended up, you know, being blessed with twins or something like yeah. that. So I also had to like, not let, re- I had to read their story, process it, but then not think that that was going to be my story. Yes. Right. Because you don't want to develop that like false hope. You want to have faith, but you don't want to have that false hope because you're setting yourself up on a cycle to like, that you'll later have to unpack. Right. Yeah. And so then additionally, I was also looking for a support group for my husband, right? Whether yeah. it was through church, whether it was online or something, because I know every month, you know, as women, what we go through our cycles monthly, it's a reminder. Those cramps yeah. are a trigger. It's like PTSD to yes. remind through the loss. Well, though they might, men may not have a physical cycle, they still, I believe, have times during the month or other triggers that will trigger yeah. them too where they too need the support as well. So yeah. oftentimes it's it's easier to focus your attention on the woman, but let's also not forget the men as well 
who yes. desire to become fathers and want to know how to support their wives and support yeah. women and going through the infertility uh, journey is something that I feel like also men um, can get put under the radar as well. Yeah, that's that, that's so important because, you know, sometimes when men, they may see their homeboys out taking their kids to t-ball practice or doing stuff with their kids, going to a baby shower, you know, all those things can be triggers. Or even if some of the men do have, you know, kids with a previous relationship and then they're moved on and they have this other relationship, that's another trigger. You know, it could be another trigger as well too, you know, because um, that's a lot as well too, you know, with us not having my bonus order in the home a lot. I know my husband, he was, he was sad, but every time she would come around, you know, of course he was excited and, um, you know, going through that infertility journey for myself and finding out that, you know, estrogen levels were a lot lower than the uh, typical female is supposed to have. And so I had to take, you know, medication. They uh, had to check my fallopian tubes, you know, all of those things, because I'm like, what's wrong with, you know, is anything wrong with me? Because in high school, my high school boyfriend, I don't want to say sweetheart, but my high school boyfriend, (laughs) you know, I did, you know, get pregnant at that time. And, um, you know, we ended up losing it. So I was like, oh God, is it because I was fornicating early, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, you know, my husband, he did tell me, he was like, you know, just wait. He was like, you got to wait on God's time. It's going to happen. And I, you know, I did, I had to wait and, um, you know, it finally happened. And it is a large age gap between the siblings because my bonus order should be 21 this year and Mm -hmm. our son is, is nine. So it is a huge age gap between there. Um, but, um, you know, like I said, having that support group for husbands, you know, is something that's very important because like you said, a lot of times men are put by the wayside as far as their feelings and how they're dealing with things. They're just overlooked and negated at times when they do have feelings they do right. have triggers that are unspoken that they may not talk about that they're trying to be strong for their significant other. And, you know, they know that they're going through something. So, um, you know, and right. let's talk about, you know, how, as far as how you guys ended up, you know, getting that blessing and, and breakthrough yeah. and all that good stuff. Yes, definitely. So um, we, like I said, we went through the IVF journey and then we ended up joining an adoption agency um, actually, it was our fertility specialist, um, the the gentleman who was working the front desk. I think we just grew a relationship, right? Yeah. And it's just like everybody's cheering you on, hoping that this is going to be successful. And then for every loss, it was like their loss too. Yeah. But also, yeah. you realize that you're on the front line of showing people, like exhibiting how you are allowing God to use you, right? right? To not give up, to have the perseverance to continue on to this journey. But he had given us a folder and the folder, it was thick and it was full of all of these adoption agencies that we could explore. Yeah. Um, and so I just remember like being overwhelmed with like, how do I even know which agency to choose? Where do we start? And when I picked up the folder one night, one fell out. And I was like, well, this is it. This is the one I'm going to call, right? <laughs> okay, this is my sign. This is the one I'm going to call. Right. And so we looked it up or I looked it up online and I found out that they were having an interest meeting. It was coming up like that very next week. And I was like, all right, this is it. Dad, you need to get off work early. We're going to go to this interest meeting um, and check it out. And so we went and it was it was a intimate setting because we were surrounded with other people who we knew. Yeah. They had story or some type of journey that they had been on and now they had brought them to this place where we were Mm. all collected 
in the same space together, wanted to grow our families. Yeah. And um, the case manager at the time came to us and said that you all would probably get matched pretty quickly because you're young and you're a black couple. And yeah. oftentimes a lot of the children who are up for adoption are black children. Mm. However, and the birth mother or birth father want to place their child with in a home, a black home. But unfortunately it's like harder um, for them to find those matches due to like financial reasons, because again, adoption is super expensive. Um, everything they want you to pay out of pocket. They want, they don't want credit card payments. They don't want a payment plan. They want you to pay all this money that you have to wow. pay over a period of time. And so hearing that was reassuring because we're like, well, this is a sign, you know, it's yeah. a small group. We just really got along with the people who were in our group as well, develop our own affinity group. Um, and then to hear that you all will get matched pretty quickly, this is like a sign or feeling like an assurance that like, yeah. all right, close, right? This is, it. Then, this is it. And so we went from a series of trainings from August until January. And that during that time, you have your home study, you have a whole bunch of doctor's visits, you're pulling all your financial statements, you're giving your you giving your life away. You giving your social security number. You giving Jesus. your DNA. You your fingerprints. You are doing all of this background check to uh, ensure that you are um, right. going to be a safe home for for a child or children. Yeah. And you're also making a decision on whether you will be welcoming to a child of a different race in your home. Whether you're mm. being welcoming to a child with a disability. Whether you're being welcoming to a a child that um, grew inside of a birth mom who was on some type of drug or alcohol right. or smoke, all these things. And we, we just said yes to everything. You know, we're like, at this point, we'll take whatever God blesses yeah. with, with that. And so we made all of our payments, attended all our classes, had our home studies and everything um, gone away. And then January the 26th, it was either tw the 26th or 27th of January, um, that we went live and meaning going live means that we were on a site as a couple to say, Hey, if you're a birth mother looking for a family, we are prepared yeah. to be adopted parents and we're excited. And I remember calling like all of my best friends, like spread the word. Um, we're live. So that way we can try to get matched. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember my best friend, I sent it to her and she lives in DC and she pulled it up and she's like, I can't see it. I'm like, what do you mean? I was just on there. And she's like, right. I can't, I can't see your page. And I'm like, hold on, let me try. And um, it's not pulling up. And then I checked my email and it was from the independent adoption agency. And it says effective January 28th, um, 2017, I believe at the time, we have filed chapter, we have filed for bankruptcy. Oh my gosh. So hold on, wait a minute. Let's let's recap. Ooh. So I've now got five children. I've gone through IVF. That's a fluky medication drug oh and lost all this money that I can't that we can't get back. And now I've paid all of this money, I attended all these courses, and you're telling me that you all filed chapter seven bankruptcy two days later after we went live. So it wasn't that my best friend's app or her phone wasn't working or that the Wi-Fi wasn't connecting. It no, it was that this agency had closed its doors and over 900 families were affected. And this mm -hmm. is an, this is an agency that had been around for 30 years. So it's not like this pamphlet that fell out was just one that was just made up yeah. and started. Yesterday. They had been around for a very long time. And 
again, I left work and I pulled up at the office to where, where the agency okay. was. And there's no sign on the door, no name on the door. It's locked down as if it never existed. Oh my gosh. And it's wild because next door to the agency was a friend of mine who was a real estate lawyer. And I'm calling him like, hey, what's going on? He was like, they must have moved out overnight. They're not here. They're no longer here anymore. What? Yeah. In the middle, I mean, and you know that's some shisey stuff. If you were out in the middle of the night, I don't know if y'all seen people moving the hood like in the middle of the night when you know you about to get evicted. Okay. <laughs> I've seen she hides her car so it won't get repo, right? Like, okay, how did my cousin house? Right. How the yams. What did you say? How the yams at my auntie house? And then what? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was it was wild. Oh it, my was wild. Gosh. it was wild. And so at that point, I knew that I could no longer just tell my family about infertility, I had to now get on in front of the news media and fight because it's not just me affected. It's not just my husband affected. There's too many people affected. You can't play with people emotionally yes. because it's already an emotional toll to deal with infertility. And then another toll to deal with finances because we don't know. I say the Lord just blessed us and that money fell from trees, but you don't know how people came with exactly. the money had to be able to do this. So you know, I took a stand and called Monica La Liberty Five on your side. Okay. And she called me immediately and was like, you know, let's meet, let's have a conversation. And I called every news channel possible to tell the story uh, about what happened with the agency because I was really fighting to try at least get our money back. And yeah. to, be able to get locked up in these files again is our livelihood. They have our bank statements, they have our birth yes. certificates, they have our marriage certificates. They have everything about us. And to start a whole new identity. Right. 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 So it, it was wild. And then at the same time, your home study is only good for one year. Oh so August, September, October, November, December, January, six months into the year, I now know that we have six months before we have to start this process all over oh again if we want to go through adoption. And so I just remember coming home, boohoo and crying. I first stopped by Chick-fil-A. Love okay. it. Um, that helped minus the pickles. Well, we didn't need those, but <laughs> but I just remember crying and coming home and asking that, you know, what do you want to do? And yeah. his response was, I will do whatever you want to do. And I was like, well, I want it to be a collective decision. Yeah. And I feel like we've come this far, right? And the scripture says you brought me this far by faith, come right? On. Come so on. I said, come this far. Yes. So we had six months before our home study expires. And I remembered that when I was going through the journey, there was a nurse practitioner at my um, doctor's office because mm -hmm. I was going home frequently. And I remember that she shared with me a card and it was for an adoption agency that her sister used. But I said, I didn't need it because I've already joined one. Wow. And I uh -huh. kept it in my wallet. Come on, God. So then I ended up opening up my wallet, found that Quiverful Adoption was the name of the adoption agency. And they were brand new two adoptive moms who had been through adoption. They had their own stories and they decided they're going to come together and start their own agency. Wow. And they were going to intentionally help people um, adopt without the big financial strain, like being wow. able to self-match through social media outlets. Yes. So I immediately called them, shared our, um, expressed to them what had happened. And they said, is there any way you can come to South Carolina so that we can meet you, pick up your paperwork and get you set up with us. And we were like, say less. Okay. So we joined with them. 
Um, we joined with them and then within a matter of two weeks or so, we had we were back getting live again and what's yeah. wild is they still had to do another um what do you call it home study. But when they right. did the home study, the person that they sent to do the home study from a di- different agency was the same case manager from the oh agency God. closed. And so when we opened up the door, she turned pale because she was sick because she didn't know how we were going to receive her. Right, right. So when she came in, we were like, I'm sure by law you can't talk about this, but you know exactly who we are. Okay. And she immediately broke down and said, she, I don't know if she really didn't know, but she said she didn't know herself and right. she just like was appreciative that we still welcomed her because we just said, could have said no. Yeah. And to send her back out that door. But at the same time too, we're on a mission. We're on a journey. So come on, you know us, you've already read our file. So this should help push us along faster. Exactly. Um, so anyway, so we were with the agency within two weeks later. And then a couple of weeks later, we were matched and we were matched with another agency. So we ended up having to go through three different agencies gotcha. before um, we were able to adopt. And the story doesn't end there, but because my baby is six years old and he knows his story, he yeah. knows that his mommy's belly doesn't work, but God, <laughs> blessed, God blessed his birth mama to grow, for him to grow inside of her belly until it was time for him to be, come on out. So yeah. he knows that, but the rest of the story, I... I, I'm saving that because it's truly his story. Exactly. It's his story. And I want him to be able to share that, but know that it didn't end there. The tragedy didn't stop there. But Come the on. blessing out of that is our beautiful baby boy who is now six years old today. I love that. Can I, I try not to tear up, but this, like I said, Job, everything that you went through, like Job lost his children. He lost home. He lost all, he lost everything. He was right. in inflicted with disease, you know, just disease. And, you know, of course, everybody around him, I know your support system, you know, wasn't like that, but Job went through so much, but still had faith. So, you know, that's why I say your journey, it don't matter how you got there. God was like, I'm going to make you a mom. I'm going to, you're going to get that. I'm not going to tell you how you're going to do it, how hard it may be, how many losses you may take, but my daughter, I am going to bless you. That's right. And I love it. Like I said, your story is going to help fuel so many women out there who may feel like they're less than to know that you are full woman. You are equal. You are uh, great, you know, and you're going to be a mom, no matter if you're a bonus mom, no matter if you're adopted mom, you're still a mom. It doesn't matter about DNA. It's all about love. It's all about how you're going to care, nurture that child. And I love that you're going to let him tell his own story. You know, I love that because it is, of course, his story to tell. And I know he's going to um, get a rainbow out of this whole story. He is. And he's just so cute and handsome. And I just know that um, he's placed with the, you know, God does everything. He's placed with the right mom. He's placed with the right dad. It blows my mind because people don't know people unless we tell them people don't know because he looks like a combination of the two of us. And there are times, and I'll, I'll keep this, I won't be graphic since we're live. I'll just yeah. say, there are times <laughs> that I say, he may have not come through my canal, but he's my okay. child. He has my personality. Yes. All day, his yes, wig, all of those things. And I'm just like, it blows my mind. And I know that 
he was placed on this earth and placed in our arms specifically for us. Yeah. God, God sometimes uses somebody else as a vessel for your blessing. That's you never right. know how you're going to receive it. So That's she right. was the vessel for your baby. That's right. That's it. And yeah. it didn't matter. You know, you had to go through everything. God is like, no, trust me. Cause sometimes we can get in our own way of like, okay, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna try this. And God is like, I'm not going to put too much more on, you, more on you than you can bear, but I'm going to let you go through this. But right. I'm going to have the glory. You still going to have the glory in the end, but we're going to get there how I wanted you to get there. So I am um, so happy. And like I said, he looks like both y'all because at times I forget. And you, you know, when you talk, I was like, oh yeah, because he looks so much like y'all and he could be cool and calm like your, like your husband. And then he could be like, you. I'd be seeing him doing some cartwheels and dancing and all that. I'd be like, oh yeah. he. So it does. It's not about what makes, you know, DNA. It's about that love. And um, right. I love it. Like I say, your yeah. testimony is just, it's fueling for me, you know, um, just even if people go through difficulties with their business or whatever it may be, however you want to look at it. Um, but let everybody know, you know, how they can support, you know, your company, you know, Empower All and um, what you guys do for the community and where they can catch you at like your upcoming events. Okay, awesome. Well, I want to say one more quick thing before I hop yeah. in and talk about my business. And that is, if anything else that I learned through this journey, yes, believing in God, yes, leaning on your spouse, yes, leaning on your family, and also knowing that people are watching you to see yeah. how you handle it. Yeah. And outwardly, like them watching you is a testimony for them as well. So it's not right. just about you. But also, I noticed that I am very cautious in my words and that yeah. when people first get married, I don't say, why don't you have kids yet? I don't ask any of those questions because yep. people need to realize that you don't know what anybody's going through. Yes. And it's really not for you to know anyways. But exactly. also, just being, I just encourage people who may already have children yeah. or people who have already um, decided in life that that's not the route that they want to take. So yeah. just to be cautious and not putting pressure or asking too many questions on couples or families who do not yet have children because yeah. you don't know anybody. Story. Don't check my uterus. You know, just that's right. Let, <laughs> let me, my husband, well, God be. OBGYN for them to do that. So okay. definitely, you need to pause. Yeah. And you know, and one thing I was thinking about too, um, you know, and sometimes when we go through these uh, miscarriages and infertility, sometimes it can be, I know for myself, it's, sometimes it was embarrassment. Like, oh my God, I see everybody mm -hmm. around me. And for you to have to go through everything and then be put on national TV. Oh, like the whoa. news. You know what I'm yes. saying? Like that's God, yeah. that to me, that's like, okay, God said, you want to get on this journey? I'm going to use you as a vessel to be an advocate for right. others. So like I said, that's another uh, testament of, you know, your strength as a woman, your strength as, you know, I'm going to be a mom. I'm fighting for my child. I don't know who my child is. I know God has him destined, but right. I'm fighting for my baby and I'm fighting for others too. Cause sometimes you have to be an advocate for others who don't have that voice, who don't know what to right. say, who don't know what to do, right. where to start. So that too also, um, you know, is such a blessing and just a testament in that as well. Yeah. And it's okay to say, it's okay to excuse yourself from a baby shower. It's okay yeah. to send a gift and not go because it took me a while to be able to go to baby showers and to really be excited 
for my friends or loved yeah. ones who were pregnant. And it wasn't that I didn't want them to have, didn't want them to not have their children or not exactly. want to share yeah. in their blessing, but it was just too much. I had to set the emotional boundary for myself. It's important. To know what I can handle. And that's okay. Yeah. That is yeah. definitely emotional. That's- Setting those healthy emotional boundaries, you know, it's okay. And then those who know you and they will understand like, okay, we get it. We get it. It can be right. a trigger. It can be a lot. So we respect that and we totally understand. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. And before we get into everything business, what is one word? I always like to ask moms this. What is one word that you could use to describe your, uh, you know, of course, bonus mom, your, your journey to motherhood? Uh, resiliency. Ah, okay. I love that. Okay. Resiliency from the doctor. Okay. But, um, you know, let the people know, you know, like I say, your upcoming events, cause y'all is, they be jamming, you know? Um, so yeah, let people know. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I'm excited. Um, as an entrepreneur, I have a nonprofit organization, Empower All Incorporated. And ultimately, we are working to close the racial and gender gaps in STEM careers yeah. and also to address the mental health crisis that we are facing, specifically our young people. Yes. So that is our organization and what we do or our mission that we're striving to achieve. Our upcoming event is on February 22nd. Mm-hmm. We have our first inaugural Fireside Smash Chat. Yes. And SMASH is an acronym that stands for Supporting Mental Health Advocacy and STEAM through hip hop. That's right. Yes. Hip hop. We use hip hop as the vehicle to bring in community and to also resuscitate our heart when we talk about heavy subjects. So yes. we're so excited to dive into a conversation and be in community around normalizing, getting mental health therapy and getting the support and building the support around you. And then also trying to ignite interest in our black and brown youth and our young ladies yep. to pursue um, careers that are in our steam, the science, technology, engineering, arts, or mathematics yep. discipline. So that is coming up. And then on April the 27th, we will be having a STEAM Square Day. So excited Ooh. about that. It'll be at Robert Park from 10 until 1. We also found out today there will be a Dreamville. Dreamville. Y'all know what Dreamville is. Yeah. I hope you know what Dreamville is. Shout out to J. Cole. Hopefully yes. he'll hear this podcast and maybe come to Smash. Right? Okay. Like, I need him there. I need he him coming. to come on because I shouting him out so i'll put it out there for him to come since he's in carry hooping somewhere probably right now okay Anywho, but um <laughs> we and then we also have a golf tournament that we have annually and that will be coming up in june so all of this is on our website um our website is www.empower-allinc.org uh, we have done several updates hopefully it's very clear and concise Using real photos, no stock photos. It's really us doing the work out in the community. So we're really excited about it. And for anybody who's starting a nonprofit organization or starting the journey of resiliency um, by becoming an entrepreneur, know that I have taken my story, my journey of infertility and used that as the ingredients to push me forward that I'm okay with those. I'm okay with recognizing may not happen just yet, but I'm still on a fight to close this gap. You better close that gap. Okay. Come on, doctor. (laughs) Y'all, this has been um, a just fulfilling conversation. Um, And I know that whenever you hear this, uh, whenever the podcast drops or whenever you decide to listen, this is going to be your inspiration to um, have that faith and resilience through 
whatever storm that you may going, go, be going through. So, you know, thank you guys for joining. Um, Dr. Uh, Hicks, I just thank you so much for uh, coming through and being uh, in a safe space to share your journey, yes. to share your testimony and to um, be that fuel for someone who um, faith tank may be on empty and to let them know that um, there's still hope in the end. That's so right. you guys, awesome. thank y'all so much. And, um, you know, y'all be blessed. <laughs>